You found us. Welcome to the Hull Minster Podcast, a church in the centre of Hull. Your place to worship, enjoy, explore and to belong. If you'd like more information in how you can get involved, visit our website at www.hullminster.org. This week, as part of our series in Exploring Psalms, we have something slightly different. And we have Tom and Jake as they have a mini-preach on Psalm 63 and Psalm 73. Thanks, Sam. So when I was, or when Dan asked me to uh, think about this, actually there's so many psalms you can pick from that it's really difficult to think of one psalm which comes straight to mind. Um, and I, I settled on this one because it's a psalm which I've come back to many a time and it's a, a place of comfort and I think it's a good reminder of the goodness we receive from God and the humility um, which he comes to give us. And I think particularly for me, it deals with those um, situations in life where we have to wrestle with things, particularly those situations where we often find ourselves in things we often don't want to be in. That might be at work or relationships. Um, but those things which you can't then ever get out of, those things which you've got to carry on, you've got to soldier through because they're part of what we do. And on the other hand of dealing with those struggles, I then also find that it's really helpful with dealing with the joys in life as well. And that together it helps to remind us um, that we just can rely on God and be uh, like restful in what he offers us. So with the psalm, there's probably a lot to go through. As I was, I was talking with him earlier this week, and he was saying, blimey, you've got a lot in there to go through. But I'm going to try and sum it up into a simple sum, which is desire and commitment plus an understanding of what satisfaction is equals joy. So that's desire and commitment plus understanding of satisfaction equals joy. So then let's think about desire and commitment first. So David, who wrote this psalm, we think, started with um, a great reminder at the first, uh, the first bit of the psalm. You are God, my God. And I love the way that it's a personal uh, God. It's something which belongs to us, which we can rely on. That's because God is relational and he wants to know us deeply and on an individual level. And whilst David was saying this, you can imagine, or he wrote this whilst in a barren place. We've been sent into exile. We're not quite sure for what reason. Um, but you can imagine him at the, in the wilderness with not a lot around him, screaming out, God, you are my God. And I was thinking, like, that's an amazing thing to be able to shout out in the middle of the wilderness. And it's because he knows of God's commitment to him and he knows that he needs to be relational with God. And whilst David knew that, for us that means it's really hard, or I find it hard anyway, to keep up that relational side and being relational with God in the same way that David has here. Um, But it's a thing which God challenges to do and it's a challenge which he wants us to do in the same way that he loves us. And I guess through all of the New Testament there are plenty of examples of when God shows his commitment and his faithfulness to us. And one example which came straight to mind was in Luke 15, where there's three um, parables. And like the first one is all about how the shepherd goes out to find that one sheep and leaves his 99 behind to bring back one. It's because God actively is investing in us and he wants to be in communion with us. And then in return for that, all he wants is for us to do the same. 
So then when I was thinking about what does it mean then to commit to God, there's probably actually then two things to commitment. The first, which is obviously just to be committed, to spend time with God. But then the other half is to want to commit to God, to have that desire for him. I imagine for most of us in here that that second bit is probably the hardest, not just committing to read your Bibles or praying, but a longing for God with all of our bodies. And that's for me the biggest challenge of the psalm, I think, that and when seeing David here, he recognises that love which God has for him. And he's able to desire God fully. He's able to declare it with his whole body. And you can imagine him in that wilderness, almost on a mountaintop, screaming it with his whole body. God, you are my God. And I think that we can still have this dedication. And you see sometimes in our lives that there's glimpses of when people are this committed, which for me, I can take inspiration from. And the, one of the examples which came to mind when I was thinking of this was before I came to Hull, I um, worked as a, a chaplaincy intern in a hospital, um, and it was a children's mental health hospital, um, which was probably one of the most secure in Europe for children. It used to take some of the most dangerous people in Europe and some of the most unwell. Um, and there were 100, probably 100 or so children, usually between 13 and 18, many miles from home, often without parents or family who were interested in them. So they were really isolated, to be honest. Um, and I remember going in on Christmas Day, and we were visiting, as we used to do every day, and I walked onto this ward of um, young lads, and it was known for being fairly aggressive, and because it was a young group of lads, so they used to um, boister each other up. And on Christmas Day, we walked in, and overnight, you could see that something could happen. The... There was window smash, TV smash, but more importantly, you could feel the heaviness in the room as you walked in. And uh, we found out from some of the staff whilst we were there that uh, some of the people who were working overnight had been put into hospital because they'd been assaulted by these young lads um, in this rage and uncontrollable um, actions they had. And the challenge, I think, when walking on was that you, you try to go in with a positive outlook and try not to... Um, think about what's happened. So we did what we did every day, which was we played music, because music's a, a great way to engage with people. And uh, whilst we were chatting to some of the young lads, we started to play the song Good Good Father, which I think we'll sing later. And as soon as we started playing it, you could see the heaviness in the room ease. You could see that these young guys who were standing there amongst brokenness and despair around them um, you could see it vanish as they sang out to God with pure desire and pure longing for him. And it was almost like every time that they sang the line, and I'm loved by you, the shackles were broken in the room and the person who they loved, they were just declaring it with their whole bodies to, to him. And the thing for me is that these are only 15 or 17 year olds and they probably don't spend much time reading the Bible or even praising God full stop. But what they did do when they did praise God was with their whole bodies and they did it with the full intention to give God the love he deserves. And this is the type of commitment which God wants from us, to be longing, desiring, yearning for him. Because as it says in verse five, only then can we be truly satisfied from him. And. In that moment of witnessing these guys change in the moon, in that moment and watching the, the atmosphere change as God works in them, 
it was really, I guess, when I realised what it meant to be truly satisfied from God. Thinking back now, um, when going through difficulties in life, which often feel very mundane in comparison, I realised that I'm probably not feeling the satisfaction of God because I'm not committing to him in those periods of mundane activities with the desire he wants me to commit to him with. There's no point following practices or rhythms of prayer or reading if the motivation to develop a relationship with God isn't fully wanted. We need to make sure that we're continually making time to explore this relationship, which we all strive for with Jesus. And that means often many different things in many different seasons. And over the last three months in our home group, we've been looking at different ways which we can practice this. We're doing a course called Still Life. And we've looked at many different aspects of devotion, such as silence or finding time to slow down and enjoy God, or even just simply making space to listen to God full stop. And at the end of each session, the course gives us a couple of challenges to try over the coming week. Um, And while some of these are really simple, such as every time you make a cup of tea, say the Lord's Prayer, or driving slowly to work instead of rushing there, which I find really easy in health because the traffic's horrendous. Um, Some of these things have been really hard to do, I think anyway, even though they're all relatively easy to do. And I think what's important with the commitment which God wants from us is that it shouldn't be hard to do because the desire for him should be stronger than any of the barriers which we put in place to stop us committing to him. Therefore, trying some simple things such as praying every time you make a cup of tea or listening to the Bible on the way to work shouldn't be that difficult, as long as the most important thing is that you're fully committed to it and fully invested in it. So therefore, make, I recommend making these uh, different things a part of your daily routine, because in the periods where you need to rely on God, in the the low parts of your days and the things we struggle with, we have this foundational relationship which we can call back onto. And um, that's strong and reliable and can carry us through all of our struggles rather than causing us to give up with them or run away from them. So then we'll go back to the sum, which was... To have desire and commitment plus an understanding of, can you remember? Satisfaction <laughs> equals joy. So then we know, I guess, what desire and commitment mean. So then we need to think about what does satisfaction mean and how do we achieve it? And when I looked up in the dictionary what the definition of satisfaction is, it is to have the fulfillment of wishes, expectations or needs met. And I think it's really interesting how in our dictionary that we put our wishes before our needs because this is completely different to what I think God promises us in that God doesn't promise to give us all the things we wish for but for the things we need instead. And it's interesting in this psalm that amongst David's cries out for God and longing for him, he never asks God to take him out of the situation he's in. And I think it's interesting that David knows God has sent him into this exile for a reason, and he knows that God's testing him. Now, I'm not saying that all of our challenges we face in life are predestined, or that God has deliberately put us into the challenges we face. But how often do we ask for God to take us out of things when we might be there for a reason? 
I imagine most of us can think of frustrations which we have with work or family, which we'd quite happily get rid of, but this often just isn't possible. We have lots of things which we have to persevere with and work through. And as David showed, he was in this place of desperation and need, yet he's still able to sing with joy. So this juxtaposition of joyous worship and adoration for God whilst being in the struggles to him is something so complex and magical about the wonder of God. And that's the type of relationship he wants with us. This is, I think, what sets us as followers of Jesus apart from others, that we're willing to sing with joy and to um, hold our heads up high during our struggles in life. So whilst I was thinking about this this week, there was a song which kept coming to mind. I think God was putting my heart. And um, it's a song called Highlands of Ascent. And the chorus of the song perfectly sums up this psalm. So before I finish, I'll read out the words from it. So I will praise you on the mountain, and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way, for you're the summit where my feet are, and so I will praise you in the valleys all the same. There's no less God within the shadows. He's no less faithful when the night leads me astray, for you're the heaven where my heart is, and in the highlands and the heartache all the same. Amen. Father, may these spoken words be faithful to your written word and draw us closer to your living word. Amen. So when Dan told me this evening's theme was using the Psalms today, I thought, wonderful. Why? Because last term at priest school, we had a module on the Old Testament with one of the themes of the Psalms in the modern day. So, how handy. If anybody is interested in Psalm 73 that much and wants something to put them to sleep, I've got a 2,500 word essay on it, if anybody would like it. Psalms are very much a tool for today, just as much as they were when they were written. Around the world, in denominations of all kinds, psalms will be recited on a daily basis as part of the corporate worship of the church in morning, midday, evening and night prayer. They'll be read as informal meditations. Those psalms are made up of poems, of prayers, of hymns and meditations, all of which, if you think about it, we use in our day-to-day life. The Psalms have a great deal to teach us, a great deal of wisdom to impart, and sometimes they challenge us in profound and unexpected ways. Over the years, I've been lucky enough to be part of several churches with exquisite choral music, and for many years I sat in St Albans Cathedral listening to the choir sing the Psalms during Evensong. The Psalms are something that we can just sit and soak in. They are something that we can quietly reflect on in the comfort of our own homes. However, they are much more than just a collection of nice songs or nice poems. As I said at the beginning, they are a tool to help us in our faith today. 
to help us in our discipleship, our mission and ministry, here in Hull and around the world. There are many ways in which we can use the Psalms, but first, as with any piece of scripture, it's really important to understand what the psalm is saying and the context in which it was written. So if you're interested in getting to know the psalms better, I would highly recommend you get yourself a commentary. You can go online and look at them. Or there's this wonderful series called Psalms for Everyone. It's a collection of commentaries done by John Golden Gay, uh, Gold, yes, Golden Gay and Bishop Tom Wright. He does the New Testament ones. It's a very simple, very succinct, without the theological garble, and it just tells you what you need to know. So I'd highly recommend it if you're interested. Other commentaries are available. <laughs> so Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a powerful witness to the struggle which an individual faced with regards to their faith especially in the post-exilic setting that Israel found itself. Here, the religious claims clashed with the reality of Israel's life, and it almost destroyed a believer, the psalmist. The psalm gives an account of an individual who is in anguish after watching God disobey, after watching the unfaithful disobey God. And some theologians suggest also disobeying the Torah, both without consequence or punishment. And so he wonders, is it worth obeying God's word? Because he can see no benefit in it. The wicked prosper, while the faithful suffer. This near loss of faith was averted through an act of worship in the temple, which you'll find in verse 17. And that's the turning point of the psalm where the psalmist comes to realise that good is not to be found in material things, but rather in the presence of God. Throughout the psalm we witness a journey, a journey from doubt and frustration to the realisation of the nearness of God. I wonder if you've ever felt like the psalmist, So I know I have. Sometimes in life there will be clashes between scripture, religious claims, and the reality of life. Sometimes those claims will be enough to destroy one's faith. But the key message is to trust in God. To know that he will be good to the upright, to those who are faithful. But whilst injustice may thrive, judgment will eventually come. As Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9 reminds us, God's plan is probably very different to ours. We might not understand his timings, but that's because his thoughts are different to our thoughts. And that's probably a good thing. At the beginning of the psalm, the psalmist felt distant from God, in a sense abandoned. However, towards the end, God reached out and took him by the right hand. A sign of God being close to us, so close as to touch. 
And this change in outlook can be seen as a sort of reframing, first instigated by that encounter in the temple. God is put back at the centre <coughs> rather than being at the periphery. And with that comes restored belief and trust. So often, in one way or another, we are in need of reframing as individuals, as families, as couples, and as the church. When we are reframed, we allow God to be at the centre of our lives, not on the periphery. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that God is so near that we can reach out and grab him. The psalmist asks God in verse 24 to receive him with honour, which is often interpreted as being taken into the glory of heaven after death. However, this would not have been what the psalmist had in mind, because what religion would he have been? A Jew. He would have been Jewish. And for Jews, death means death. That's it. And that is good news for us today, because it means that we don't have to wait till death for God to act. We don't have to wait till death for God to save us. It means that we can have a close and intimate relationship with God here and now. We are able to experience his nearness if we open up our hearts to him. Psalm 73 encourages that expectation, the expectation that God is near and that he will act now. So my prayer for this evening is that we as Christians in 2020 may not see the Psalms merely as a collection of nice literature or wonderful choral music sung in churches around the country. Rather, let's challenge ourselves to delve into the book of Psalms and to be open to what God might be saying to us through them. Maybe this week, pick up your Bible, treat yourself to a commentary, push the boat out, pick a psalm, any psalm, and spend an hour exploring it because you'll be amazed at what you will find. Amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to one of our sermons. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then follow us on social media or visit our website, www.holminster.org.